everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. I appreciate your time as always. Before I even dive in, I just got to let you know right off the bat that this podcast, this episode, and every episode for the rest of the duration of this podcast will be brought to you by my cookbook, It Takes Guts. Okay? You're going to hear about it. You're going to keep hearing about it until I win you over. Uh, it's, it's available for pre-order now on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, Chapters, all those websites. Um, You'll be able to get it in stores as of October 20th if you feel like going into a store and picking up the hard copy. But I would love it if you would do the pre-order thing for me because that lets the all-knowing, all-seeing internet algorithm gods know that I'm a big deal, which helps me in a lot of ways. So if you like the book or if you like what I'm about, you like what you're seeing on Instagram and you want to learn more about nose to tail eating and organ meats and how to incorporate those into your life in a healthy and easy and fun and delicious way, I got you. That's what the book's all about. Super, super excited for people to start getting their copies. Let me know what they think and trying recipes. I'm so excited, but got to tell you, that's what I'm all about these days is my book. So more information, like I said, just look up It Takes Guts on Amazon or wherever you buy books. You can always send me a message if you want more information, if you need to be convinced a little bit more, but that's what's going on. All right. My guest today, awesome human being, because all my guests are awesome human beings. I wouldn't introduce you to people who weren't awesome. Uh, Christy Bartlett, she, she, we had a kind of fun um introduction to each other. Some of my best podcast guests tend to be people that I just kind of like make friends with on social media. And she had reached out to me and said that she was enjoying the podcast and had some kind words for me, which I appreciated. And we were talking about maybe some future guests that I could have and who would be interesting. And as she was kind of giving me some suggestions, she told me a little bit about her story. And I was like, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, Christy. I want to talk to you on the podcast because you are an interesting person. Of course, she's so humble. She's telling me her coach and all these cool people that should be on the podcast. I'm like, nope, nope, I'm interested in you. And so she came on and sat down with me and chatted with me about her life and her work, which is awesome. Um, And it was so cool to talk to her. She is currently an assistant strength coach uh, with the Tennessee Titans NFL football team. NFL football. I don't need to say that. You get it. Anyway, uh, and she's had a long history with uh, strength and conditioning work with different athletes, with different sports across a whole range, um, with a bunch of different schools and different places. She's she's done a lot. And she's had a pretty decent uh, athletic career herself, super strong chick. So we talk about that. Um, but one of the things that's really inspiring and cool about this interview is just talking to somebody who kind of always knew what they were about and knew what they were into and just pursued it. And they didn't let the potential that maybe it would be harder for her as a woman in a male-dominated industry or any other reason kind of slow her down. She was just like, nope. And there's no chip on her shoulder whatsoever. She's just somebody who knew what she wanted and she worked for it and she got it. And it's just super inspiring and cool to talk to somebody like that who's just knows what they're about and confident and awesome. Because you know I'm all about the confidence. I'm all about confidence through confidence. Learning, educating yourself, empowering yourself, being good at stuff. That is what makes people really, truly confident. So this episode was awesome. We dive into all of that. We talk about her career, her, her trajectory through school and education and work and what she learned along the way. We talk about her powerlifting career, which is crazy, uh, super strong, 
and we talk about what it's like working in the XFL, the NFL, what it's like training professional elite athletes, what it's like when you can sometimes lift more than those people. I mean, it's a great conversation. We dive into all aspects of this stuff. So I really, really hope you enjoy it. It was so much fun chatting with Christy, especially just as the season is is starting up. So I know she was super busy. So I appreciate her taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Uh, if you liked it, I would love for you to share it on social media. Tag me. Let me know what you thought. Share it with other people who could enjoy it and learn something. Leave me an Apple podcast review. I would love that so much. It helps me. Uh, again, those those internet algorithms, the the gods of the internet, they make all the decisions for me. So send a good word. Okay. It would help. It would help me a lot. I'd really appreciate it. All right. I'm all over the place. I'm going to let you go now and listen to my interview with the awesome Christy Bartlett. I found during my work that sometimes the best way to get to know somebody is to just literally press record immediately and just start talking and, <laughs> and get to know each other on air. Why not? That's right? That's more fun. Anyway, Christy, right thank, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited too, because I love that some of my, honestly, some of my like most fun guests and interactions and conversations have come from like very organic um, online interactions. Like you reached out to me, had something nice to say about the podcast. And I was like, as I always am, I'm like, Hey, you got any cool ideas for me? Like I'm always looking for like new ideas. And you're super humbly talking about a, a trainer or a coach or somebody that you worked with. And then you're like telling me a little bit about yourself. And I'm like, wait, you are the interesting person. Like I want to talk to you. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this all kind of happened the way it did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. So before I get into any of my questions, and I really don't know a whole lot about you and your background other than like the very little that we've kind of um, chatted about online. So I would love for you to just kind of introduce yourself to the listeners and like tell us who you are and what you do. Ooh. Like you want to start at the beginning? Start at the very beginning. Let's start at the beginning. So yeah. I grew up in North Carolina, like right outside the Outer Banks. Um you know, grew up physically active, all that kind of stuff. And then, so my, I played basketball. So my high school, fresh, my freshman year of high school, I go to try out for the basketball team. And I'm thinking I'm God's gift to basketball. And I end up getting cut. I didn't make the team. So I barge into my coach's office and I'm like, hey, you know, I didn't make the team. Like, what's the deal? He's like, well, you didn't, you know, you're not, you're not there yet. And I'm like, all right, well, just let me tell you this. I'll be back next year. I'm going to make the team. And then I'm going to get a division one scholarship to play basketball. You know, he kind of leans back in his chair. He's like, yeah, okay. Like you're a disgruntled teenager. You're fine. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so after that, like that summer, I get into like muscle mags, like all that kind of stuff. Like the weight room at the, at the high school, I'll go in and just like bench press and leg press myself to death. The first time I leg pressed or did any weights, I had, this was in the middle of me, like getting my life together to make the basketball team. I was on a diet and all I knew was slim fast mm -hmm. and special K. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this is what I'm eating. And I go outside after doing like a set of like to failure on the leg press and just lose all of it. Like outside yeah. of like shit. Can I cuss? Yes. Okay. Please. <laughs> so then so like that started it. I got obsessed with like playing a lot of basketball, you know, reading muscle mags, all that kind of thing, getting into training and like diet and nutrition. And from there, I ended up 
graduating from high school and getting a Division One scholarship to go play ball at this uh, school in South Carolina, Winthrop University. So I go there, and my strength and conditioning coach, uh, guy named Chip Pugh, I looked at him, I go, you mean to tell me you get to hang out with athletes all day long, and you get to wear sweatpants, and they just give you this stuff? And I'm like, I've got to do that. Like, tell me what you did to get where you are, because I'm going, I'm going to be a strength coach. And so, and I was obsessed with training, love, love lifting weights. Like if it, if running, I hate it. Sprints, anything distance, I hate it. But if it was like sprint, stop, go, stop, go. I loved it. The lifting, it was like, it was a priority for me. So then I, what did I do? So then I talked to him. I started interning at NC State as a intern, a professional, like volunteer during the summer. And so from there, I'm like, hey, dad, like, I want to be a strength coach. I'm going to, I'm in the middle of my summer of like my freshman year. And I'm like, I'm going to go be a, a strength coach at NC State, which is like 50 minutes up the road. Go there. And like, I start working with the basketball teams there. And it was kind of my first experience with strength and conditioning and like a major division one program outside of me playing ball and like working with my coach. Mm -hmm. um, so from there, I like fell in love with a little bit more, learned a lot from those guys at NC State. And during that time, I read an article by James Steele, which is like, like my favorite guy. And so he was at the University of Pennsylvania as a head strength coach there. And I read one article by him on Elite FTS at that point in time. And I was like, I'm going to work for this guy at some point in time in my career. So I emailed him and I'm like, hey, you got any jobs? And I'm 20 years old at this time. He's like, no, I don't have any jobs. And I was like, well, I wanna come work for you. And he's like, I've got internships. And I was like, okay, I'm coming. And so I called my mom and dad. And I'm like, I'm moving to Philadelphia and I'm in North Carolina at this point. And he, they're like, you have basketball. You can't move to Philadelphia. And for what? And I said, it's an internship. I gotta be a strength coach. This is what I'm gonna do. So I go and that ended up not happening because I had basketball in school to finish. And um, so from Wait, there- can I, can I interrupt for one second? Because there's just so much and I don't want to forget. What were you studying? Exercise science. So okay. I, start, I started off as athletic training, which is, you know, they take care of the hurt kids and injured kids and make sure they get back to, to playing. Um, I started off as that, but with basketball, it's too many hours. Like I can't play basketball and then do the hours required for that um, uh, graduate the graduate requirements and all this kind of stuff so like I emailed Steele I finished basketball graduate go get my I looked to go get my uh, master's degree in clinical exercise physiology at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte so I'm there and I that that program is geared around cardiac and pulmonary rehab so I'm reading EKGs all day and working with the senior population I actually ran a program a fitness program called feeling fine after 59 nice. and I worked with all these like at or these like older population that had like chronic medical conditions and all that kind of stuff and so while I was doing that I started um, coaching at UNC Charlotte and Davidson within their strength and conditioning program and then from there I graduated and I applied for jobs for like six months and nothing happens and then one day and I was applying for every job. So I had zero experience for my volunteer experience. And I'm applying for like head AD positions, head strength and conditioning positions. I didn't care. I just knew I just wanted to be in the strength and conditioning world in the collegiate sector. So finally, I get a call back. I got a call back from this uh, Kevin DeWeese, which is the head. He was the head strength coach at Moorhead State in Kentucky. 
And when I get there or he calls me, he's like, Hey, Christy, like you applied for a job. And I'm like, where? And he's like at Moorhead state. And I'm like, uh, I applied for like 70 jobs. Like you're going to have to, I like, I don't even know where you're at. Let me Google you real quick. And then, you know, so I did an online or like a on the phone interview and he's like, day later, he's like, we're going to hire you. It was a part-time position in Moorhead, Kentucky, and it paid a whopping $10,000 a year. And I was like, I'm taking it. So I called my mom and dad. I'm like, I'm moving to Kentucky. They're like, you got a job? And I was like, yes. They're like, what's it pay? I was like, 10 grand. And they're like, more than internship. <laughs> so yeah. And I was like, I got to take it. I got to get my foot in the door. And um, so I go out to Moorhead. And when I, Moorhead is like in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Like there was like, a, it was the middle of January. There was like a mountain in the background. It was barren. It was like, it was cold and there's like the school there, a Walmart and everything's kind of like run down. I freak out. I'm crying my eyes out. Like, why am I here? Like I was completely culture shocked. And my, I called my parents and they're like, you went there for a job. Like you're there for a job. This is probably going to be temporary. Just be there, do your best. And then you'll, you'll be able to move on. So I was there for a year and I worked with football um, volleyball, tennis sports, softball, and soccer, and was there for the year, took over those programs, and then from there, I got a phone call from James Madison University, which is in Virginia, and they were like, you know, we want to hire you, so I took that job and moved there probably after 10 months, and then while I was, uh, I'm sorry, that's a lie, I got the part-time position after I left Moorhead State, you know, Jim Steele, the guy mm -hmm. I was telling you about, I went and interviewed there and he's like, we're going to hire you. So I'm like, yes, but it was a part-time position. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. So, but I finally get to move to Philly and work with Jim Steele, the guy that I was like, I'm going to work for this guy. So I was pumped about that. I get there for a year, worked with all the sports. It's Ivy League. So there's 33 sports. Um, and so I had a chance to work with every sport under the sun. I mean, fencing, gymnastics, football baseball like basketball every sport you think of I was working with as like an assistant and then I had my programs that I was actually um, responsible for for designing and implementing those programs so I was there for a year and then James Madison calls me after that year and it was like we got a job it paid more and I was like yes so I moved to James Madison after James after being at James Madison for like three months Jim Steele calls me back and he's like we got a full-time benefited position ready for you come back and I'm like Yes. So I go back to um, Philadelphia. So I was in, at UPenn from 2012 until, I guess, um, 2019. Okay. So I was there working with, my main sports were soccer, then baseball, softball, um, football, and all those guys. So at the end of that, in 2019, we had new administration come in and then new head coaches come in and they clean house. So they all let us go. That's how, you know, collegiate athletics go. New coach comes in, see you later. They bring in who they want. So left. And then I love coaching so damn much. I'm just like, I got to keep coaching. Like, and I couldn't move at that point. I'd bought a house and I'm like applying for jobs and a job popped up at Bryn Mawr college, which was a uh, all women's school in, um, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So it was a part-time position. I'm like, oh, this is great. So I got to go over there and work with those uh, athletes there, all of their sports, um, for about two months. 
So after two months, I worked with the XFL, which was a professional football league that was revamped with uh, Vince McMahon and all those guys. So, and The Rock just bought it, right? The Rock and his bought it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We have to see where that goes. Oh yeah. So was there with those guys, and then for from October to April, we got halfway through the season, game five, and they canceled it because of COVID. And then from there, it was just like. Tennessee Titans came. I worked with a girl, Tracy Zimmer, who was also a strength and conditioning coach. She had um, talked to somebody. She gave my name to somebody in the NFL. They contacted me and then put me in contact with uh, the coaching staff at the Tennessee Titans. So that's where I'm at now. It's a seasonal position. Um, so that's kind of my story. That's, there's a lot. You were a busy, busy woman. It was busy. It was busy for a while. Okay. I have a lot of questions. The first thing that I want to just mention here, because one of the things I love about your story is how clear you were from the very beginning about what you were interested in and what you wanted to do. And your sort of like just inherent confidence in I'm going to go after this and I'm going to figure it out as I go because I feel like so many of the questions that I get from people and so many of the sort of sticking points for people is they have this goal or this dream and they're not ready yet. So they just wait or they figure out like, how do I get ready to like apply for this job or right. make this move or do whatever. And I, I really resonate with what you're doing because I have always been one of those people who's like, I'll say yes to the thing and then I'll figure out how to do it, right. you know, yeah. because I know that I have the ability to learn and be good at something if I, if I dedicate myself to it. Whereas I feel like so many other people sort of reverse engineer and they're like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not good at this yet. Or I don't know how to do this yet. Yeah. No. So I'm going to wait around. That's not how it works, right? That's not how you get the opportunity. You go apply for the job and then you figure out how to do it afterwards, right? I, I was told very early, never let somebody else tell you no, as opposed to you telling yourself no. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to, I don't care. I'm going to apply and then they're going to either call me back or not, or it's going to work out or it's not. But I, you know, if I don't know, I'm going to figure it out. Exactly. Okay. That's it. And it's, it's, it is one of those things too, where like, if you don't try, if you, if you're trying something, if you're taking a risk, the worst thing that could happen is that it doesn't work out and you're exactly where you started. But if right. you don't take that risk, you're never going to take those leaps to get you to where you want to go. You'll never learn anything. So it's just like, you might as well just go. That's it. So did you, but did you ever like, do you feel like athletics for you as a young person helped you have that kind of confidence in yourself? Do you think it was family? Do you think it was specific experiences or have you just always inherently been like, I know what I'm about and I'm going to go for it. Ooh, I, I probably a combination of both. Like I said, like my parents would just always tell me like, one, compare yourself to yesterday's self and then like never let anybody tell you no. Yeah. And I don't like being told no. You tell me no, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to find a way. And then you're, you're going to change your answer. Like, do not tell me no. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I guess like sports and all that kind of stuff, like confidence and all that kind of thing. Like I was good with lifting. I was always strong. Like, so I, I came with that. I mean, like I said, I started in high school lifting weights and you know, guys are always, you know, dragging behind, you know, girls at this time. So I would go in and put 95 pounds in a bar and just rep it out as hard as I could. And like some of the guys weren't doing it. So I'm like walking around like I'm big time. Like, what are y'all talking about? Like, I'm the strongest person in the room. Like, let's go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess confidence played a huge part in um, 
like early on and just kind of building on that like yeah yeah I love it. Um, and so during all of this uh, transition, like you're moving all over the place and you're doing kind of bits and pieces here and there. Um, was there an evolution where you were like, I'm mostly interested in football or was it just like, I like all of the sports, I like all of the athletes and I'm going to go where the opportunities are? At certain points, like I think I started off like chasing I guess logos like I want to be at major division one schools and I want to be in the pros and like all these kind of things. And after a while, after being in it a while, like once you get in, you're like in the weight room, you, you kind of forget about all that. Like it, it doesn't matter what the logo on your chest is. Like I love coaching. Like I love everything surrounding it and working with those athletes. And, and so it kind of came away from that. Now I love working with like more of those strength-based sports like your baseballs, like your softballs, football for sure, um, and your some of your field sports because, you know, the, it's so funny because you'll watch freshmen come in and, you know, they kind of come in, they're like they've never been in the weight room and you can just tell they're like just real, just not confident at all. But after like 10 weeks being in the program, especially these guys, you see them, they're walking around, chest is up. They're like looking in the mirror, checking out abs. They're flexing them, you know, their arms. I'm like, yeah, man. Yes, let's go. Let's go. So like, yeah, I just love, it doesn't matter the sport, but I have found myself in this football world and I've found myself like working with more of these like strength-based sports. Mm -hmm. So. And I guess you've, you've kind of always worked with like higher level athletes, right? So like, cause, cause one thing that I've like my very limited experience in any kind of coaching or being coached, but also interacting with people like you who coach high performing athletes, it seems like there is generally speaking sort of you, a different approach to training like professional or high level athletes versus average people, which is to say still very athletic people, maybe very um, ambitious people, but like amateur athletes or just like regular people versus people who are doing this for a, a living, like their livelihood, right? Right. Do you think that there is a different approach? Do you think that there's a different mindset when you're talking about athletes who are like trying to become professional and make millions of dollars and have this be their life versus us normal people? I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there are different standards. So if you, like I train um, like gin pop, like on the weekends, there's a side hustle and all that kind of thing. And like the athletes, they know that this is part of what they have to do to get to where they are. They can't be, you know, especially with, in terms of like football, you can't be weak and play football. Um, so there is a, a completely different mindset. I mean, but sort of like, your gen pop comes in and they're like, I want to be stronger. And they may not know like what stronger means. They may come in and say like, I had a, I had a, um, an athlete or like a gen pop client come in and they're like, you know, I get, I get, you know, kind of tired walking upstairs and it's like, you know, you're 30 years old and it's like, what's going on, man. And he's like, I've just completely neglected myself. Uh, you know, over the course of the last couple of years and all this kind of stuff. And, the, you know, they want to get back in the groove. And whereas with athletes, they're thinking, I've got to improve my performance. I've got to get faster off the off the line or something like that. I got to be able to jump higher. I got to be able to move a little bit more efficiency, uh, efficiently, you know, on the court or whatever it may be. And 
I think they all kind of want the standards are just a little bit different. I mean, yeah. when I train gen pop, it looks a little bit like I'm training athletes. I mean, the loads and all that kind of stuff are just, you know, different, but we're doing, and the variations may be a little bit different, um, but we're probably going to jump, do some sort, some level of, you know, an explosive exercise, whether that be like a med ball exercise or like a, you know, a low level jump, um, lower body lifting, some upper body lifting. And same thing with your athletes. They just do it at a higher level and yeah. we got to make possibly find different ways. Yeah. What about the differences between, I'm just kind of asking some like big questions. We'll see where the, the conversation takes us, but what about the difference between working with men and women athletes? Have you found, generally speaking, look, there's always like individuals, whatever. Yeah. Um, but do you find that you need to approach either um, just from a purely like logistic standpoint in terms of like building strength or explosiveness or whatever, or also in terms of the relationship, like how you communicate, do you find there to be differences between men and women or not as much? Yeah. As, yeah. Men, the guys come in and it's day one, you tell them, Hey, look, I don't care if you squatted 600 pounds in high school. I don't need you to show me that on day one. Like you literally have to throttle those guys down and they want to, they want to go mm -hmm. now and they don't sometimes ego gets involved with these, you know, these like 20 year old guys, or, you know, 19 year old guys. I've been doing this with my, you know, my coaches, all this kind of stuff. The women, they are technique. Like they're, they want to be technicians. They want everything to be perfect and they listen and they take everything into account. And that's so wonderful. <laughs> and like it's so it's, it, it's, so much easier because you don't have to deal with like any of like that ego or anything like that. Um, and some of your, some of the guys are like that, but like in the collegiate sector, it's just like the women that they may not have that background. You know, they may do some, I have no idea, but they may do something completely different, like at home, as far as like they do some body weight squats and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, am I doing this right? You know, what do I need to do? And whereas the guys think, like I said, they come in, like I did this in high school. They told me that I need to do this and do that. And so I think I want to do it this way. And you know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the women are just like easy. They listen like off top. Like that's the first thing that comes off uh, that I think of. They're that's much so easier funny. to drink. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Like, and I think about like the only sport that I've ever, I mean, I've done like very low level competitive kind of, you know, I've always been like into sports, even if I wasn't really good at them, I've just always been into like being strong and being in the gym and like, you know, even more from a uh, viewer perspective, I just love watching people uh -huh. do incredible physical feats. But one of the things I've noticed from like my bodybuilding background is it's, it's just so funny if like men and women could listen to each other and reflect on what each other does well a little bit more, it would be great because yeah. same what you're saying, like in the gym, dudes are much more likely to like put way too much weight on their back and kill themselves. Uh -huh. Whereas women are much more likely, generally speaking, to go to do less than they can and yeah. just sort of waste their time because they right. don't maybe have the confidence or the ego to be like, let's push myself. I'm just going to do this lightweight forever and like look around and watch other people like that, you know, so like if we could take a little bit more of that dude attitude and if the men could take a little bit more of that, like, let's actually right. listen perspective uh -huh. that the women are doing and like meet in the middle, imagine that like super athlete, right? 
perfect storm. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. And yeah. then like the women, like once they see that they're getting stronger, oh, it's like, it's again, the confidence level goes up and you're like, oh, they're deadlifting today. Oh, you did, you know, you came in and you were just doing 95 and you were timid when you approached the bar and now you're going in there and like getting set and ripping that motherfucker. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, wow. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that, like, what, like you need to, ex now women, the women players that I've like worked with, you got to explain to them. Like, cause some of these myths and all this kind of stuff, you're going to get yeah. bulky. You're going to do yeah. all this. Like they want to hear that they're not necessarily going to end up looking like somebody I've, you know, I, like, yeah, some huge, like, some, yeah, yeah, muscle bound, whatever. Yeah. Right. And, um, you explain it to them and then you kind of like ease them into it. Um, yeah. very, very slowly. And then eventually when they realize that you're like, you're doing what you're doing, like, Oh, we went from, you only want to do goblet, like, or a uh, kettlebell deadlifts or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then like, now we're moving up to maybe a trap bar or something like that. And then, then we're going maybe to, uh, you know, a straight bar deadlift and you've got like your body weight on the bar and it's like big time. And then you look back and you're like, wow, that was a 40 pound kettlebell on the ground. And now I've got 160 pounds on this bar. Like, and they take it and they get so empowered. And it's just like, that is what I love of yeah. watching. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about, generally speaking, the nutrition side of things, both for you personally and for people that you're training, like, is that a consideration or is that not? Cause I mean, I'm sure, you know, most of these teams or these like groups that you're working with maybe have on-site nutritionists or they've got people like managing that kind of stuff. But like, is that a conversation that you need to have or be aware of when you're trying to get, you know, people that you're working with stronger or faster or whatever? Do you have to, is that a part of it? Yeah, like we have on-site like nutritionists that I've at schools that I've been at, um, and and within uh, like the professional sector, we've got like like nutritionists and all that kind of stuff. But like if not, like you're even in the collegiate sector, our guys would come in and ask us like, you know, how much protein should I be taking? Like you know, and then you run down with them. You're like, oh, okay, well, like. I'm only eating, I'm having a, you know, it's, it's amazing. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, that has protein in it. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like, yeah, it does, but it's, a, it's a fat source and it's a poor one. And it's just like, okay. But, um, college athletes are easy, like to adjust their diets because they're eating gummy bears and like, you know, Cheetos and stuff like that. So, you know, just kind of education is a big piece with that. Um, and then, but so we don't necessarily deal with that because we just outsource it to the nutritionists on staff and then we have like you know weekly meetings discussing like you know where they're at bod pod stuff and um all that kind of thing as far as my nutrition goes i like my my co-workers at penn used to say like i don't have a sweet tooth i have a meat tooth and like i love like meat <laughs> like so if you give me like the choice between like you know, an ice cream sundae or like a 16 ounce like ribeye, like I'm sitting down with that damn ribeye and okay. having a good time. Um, so like, I, like, I guess I adhere just to like mostly meat and like, uh, I guess more along, if you want to label it like a paleo style diet, like meat, I'll eat some potatoes every once in a while. I love white rice and like mm -hmm. veggies sometime, but like, I don't like to cook veggies. 
So if I get veggies and they're raw, like as I'm cooking my meat, I'm like in the fridge, like grabbing it by the handful and shoving it in my mouth because I don't want to cook it. I don't yeah. want to deal with it. I'm just going to eat it. Um, so, and, and a lot of eggs and I make sourdough so that like I'll make sourdough at home and all that kind of stuff. And Okay. I love this so much. We are definitely kindred spirits on the food side. Although I have to say probably half of my teeth are meat tooth and then the rest is sweet tooth because I do still have a sweet tooth. But um, the whole like paleo plus like rice or like for me, it's like paleo plus like oatmeal because I actually love oatmeal. Like I think the key is finding like people love to, to latch onto a fad or a word that sounds good and is easy to follow and then stick to it religiously even when it doesn't make sense anymore. And I get that it's like, and this is probably something you found as a, as a coach and as a trainer that it's, it's easier for people to follow super strict diets than it is to actually find like the balanced, personalized approach that's right. best for you, right? Like people think like, oh, to be a bodybuilder or to only eat like meat or to be keto, like that's so hard because it's so restrictive. It's very easy to follow a rule. If you're my coach and you're saying, only eat this one thing, never eat this other thing. Yeah, it's restrictive, but it's easy. Those are very easy yeah. things to follow if I'm, if I'm dedicated enough. But for you to say like, okay, let's get like a whole foods, real food based diet. And then we're going to like kind of cut and, and figure out like what works for you and what you need for carbs or whatever. That's way more difficult. It takes a lot of like experimentation and time and like work and attention. No one wants to do that, right? Yeah, people are, they're nervous. They're nervous to do that. It's like all or nothing. So it's the same yeah. thing like the workouts. Like I've got a couple of like uh, people that I train and they're neurosurgeons. They have very little time. You work 12 to 14 hours a day. And he's like, well, I can't work out. And I'm like, why can't you work out? He's like, I don't have the time. I said, can you find 10 minutes? Can you find 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not, that's not a good enough workout. And I'm like, I said, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And give him a little something. He's like, wow. I said, it doesn't like, you got to get it in when you can. Like it doesn't need to always be all or nothing. Like if you have an hour or 45 minutes, I have no idea where that came from, where it's like, you can only get a good workout in, in an hour plus. I'm like, I want to get it. I love the gym but I don't want to be in there all day. I want to get in and I want to get out. I want to do my work. I don't really want to like chat and like, you know, have, you know, a lot of fun in there. Like just use it as social hour or anything like that. Get in, get it done. Sometimes my workout's 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's great. Okay, everybody, just a couple quick minutes. Let me tell you about today's show sponsor. Don't fast forward. My favorite people, Ancestral Supplements. Has there ever been a company that spoke more to my soul I don't think so. These guys are very on board with the nose to tail movement and the concept that eating the whole animal, guts and all, is the healthiest and most sustainable natural way to do it. They also know that maybe it isn't the most practical thing in the world to just eat kidneys and brains and hearts all day, like I do a lot of the time, if we're being honest. So they've conveniently processed and desiccated these high quality animal superfoods into pill form for those of you who, you know, aren't maybe ready for a tongue sandwich yet. And no, that is not me being dirty. I literally made a buffalo tongue sandwich the other day, and it was delicious, but that's a whole other topic. Anyway, they have a huge range of offerings from beef liver to a combination of, of beef organs to heart to kidney to bone marrow, tallow, collagen, lung, you name it. Um, and all of them kind of address specific needs or micronutrient requirements. Um, 
and you can kind of pick and choose and, and play with them depending on what you need. And you can reach out to them directly and ask, and they will be happy to give you more information. They're super transparent. Look, I'm one of those people who actually eats organ meat, but when I'm not eating it as much, because maybe I don't have any in my fridge, I'm traveling, I'm just not feeling it. Um, I use their supplements and look, I'm just being honest. I haven't had a cold in years. I've got pretty good health and blood markers and all that stuff. And I really believe that that is in large part due to my nutrient dense diet. So if you want to give their products a try, go over there, uh, ancestralsupplements.com or use the link in the show notes, uh, reach out to them on Instagram at ancestral supplements, tell them I sent you seriously. If you send them an email or a message on social media, they will get back to you. They're amazing like that. So go check them out and use the code Maven 10 for a discount. Um, I would start, I would recommend starting with either the beef organ complex or the beef liver, just because you're going to get the most bang for your buck nutritionally. But they, like I said, have all kinds of options. So go and figure it out for yourself, learn a little bit, ask some questions and give it a shot, right? I mean, you really can't lose. So jump on the meathead bandwagon with me, guys. Check out Ancestral Supplements, use the code MAVEN10. And now back to this amazing interview that I just interrupted. So, oh, well, one thing like, and this is a question that I'd be interested in getting your uh, feedback on because I completely agree with you. And I, and I also think that for the vast majority of people, I mean, you need an hour because half of the time is between sets, looking at your phone or whatever. Like it's just about being efficient. Um, but I feel like there is an element of, at a certain level of fitness, it's almost difficult to do the shorter work workouts because if you aren't physically fit and if you aren't used to hitting certain like lactic acid thresholds or like, you know, being in different like, you know, systems, you almost can't do it. So like an example is if we're talking like hit workouts, say you have like an assault bike, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you program like some five minute or less, you know, like hit kind of workout where it's like max effort and then some recovery time, whatever. Sometimes, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like there are people who aren't even quite at the fitness level where they can put in that max effort to get that workout. So like I know people who like use a rower or use an assault bike and they're like, ah, I just kind of sit on this thing for 20 minutes. It's not really doing much. I'm like, cause you can't even do it yeah. with the intensity required. Do you know what I mean? No, I completely, yeah. Like, especially with gen pop and even yes. some like of the, like the athletes that I've worked with and like the collegiate part, like they don't know that next level, like you watch some of these higher level athletes, like in powerlifting or sports in general, they know how to tap into like that second, third, fourth gear. Yes. And it's like, you watch people like my sister, right? She's lost like 70 pounds and I'm like, that's good. And you know, it's funny. She used to go to like the YMCA and she got involved in like classes and I'm like, that's great. But she said, she would come to me and be like, I've had, I took five classes today. This is like during the summer. She's in a teacher. So she has a lot of time. And I'm like, you took five classes at, the, at, an, at 45 minutes a pop. And I was like, how are you not exhausted? And so in my mind, I'm thinking you're like in there just like lollygagging. Like you're just in there. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but see now during this whole COVID thing, she's found some other like higher intensity thing and she's and she like posts her like workouts as like a journal for herself like on her instagram and she's going she has found this next level and it's like you found it and she does like one a day yeah like you have to find that next level you have to see somebody like do it it's like so it's like in the gym like if you're training guys so we would have like 
20, we've got, we had like 30 racks in the weight room. And so we're like, we're going to work up to like a heavier single or heavy three rep max or something like this. And you see one, you know, some of the girls or something that's down there and they're like, they just have like 135 on the bar. And then you see one chick do like, you know, 165. And then you see like people peeking over. They're like, huh, I'm going to go up. And then next thing you know, like everybody has more weight on the bar. And sometimes they just don't know. So they have to be shown. And then like when they get there, you have to remind them like, it's supposed to feel like that. Like it's not going to be easy. Like, you know, in the powerlifting stuff that I've like done, it's like, if you've never like lifted a true max effort, like squat or deadlift, you know, coming out of the bottom of the squat, you're going to see white Buffalo. You may feel like you're going to blank and like all this kind of stuff, but your coach or whoever's with you, it's, you're supposed to feel like that. Yeah. You're, it's that you're doing it right. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes like these like lower level people who never actually have, you know, tapped into that like next level, they just have no idea. Yeah. I feel like one of the tricky things, because I tend to like straddle this line in my community between like interacting with like crazy high level athletes and people whose lives are dedicated to this kind of stuff. And then this other group of really enthusiastic, interested people who care about health and fitness, but they're not professional athletes. And in Mm -hmm. many cases should not be training like professional athletes because it isn't conducive to their lifestyle. It isn't conducive to their health, but they're like sort of in this world. They're like listening to all these podcasts and following all these people on Instagram. And they're kind of feeling like I'm athletic, I'm strong, I'm I'm healthy. I should be able to do this. And it's like trying to find this balance for people who want to challenge, they want to work hard, they want to improve, but it's not necessarily helpful to compare and try to emulate professional athletes, right? Because we are not, most of us are not, will never be, should not try to pretend that we are. So like, do you have any advice for people or if you have clients that are like, for example, again, like athletic people, highly ambitious people, how do we find that balance between like we don't want to um, risk our health and our mental health to try to like chase this thing that isn't realistic, but we also don't want to just like settle and like go to the gym and kind of half-ass it. How do we, how do we find that balance? I, 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 I mean, the only thing I can think of is just like be honest with where you are. And if you're a coach or a trainer, you have like meet them where they are. Like yeah. you can't and enjoy the process. Like if you're going through that, like, if you know you can't squat your body weight, you know, for instance, or something like that, there's no need for you to go in and try all these like different like modalities or methods and all this kind of stuff. Like everybody's kind of made this whole strength and conditioning thing very complex. And I don't think it needs to be that way at all. Like, because you know, you know, you deal with athletes coming in with like the media and like social media and all this kind of stuff everywhere. Everybody's got their workout or what their methods or their thoughts like, out there for everybody to see and so you look at that and then they come to you and they're like oh well so and so the professional athlete is doing this why am I not doing it well you're a freshman with your training history is next to zero so you're not there yet you're thinking of where you want to be I'm not you know and, and it's like I'm not telling you you can't be there or you can't do these things but there's a process that you need to go through to make sure that you can do it safely and effectively. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just think that people should be honest with themselves and, 
and with everything that they're doing, like you can't get so involved with this nuanced stuff. Like the like, best people in the world still focus on the basics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they do, they do the basics like well, like brilliant, br brilliantly well. And it's just like, no, like you don't need to like, you know, it's, I don't know, like it's the nuanced stuff, like you can't get so involved with that and you haven't, you're getting four hours of sleep and you're, you're, your eating sucks and like mm -hmm. your training is like up and down and not consistent. And now you want to go do the next best thing. Like, yeah. no, let's give me six weeks of like, of you showing me that you can be disciplined enough to do all those things. So if you do all those things, that shit is hard. That yep. shit is hard. I mean, I'm sitting up, you know, I'm up at four 30 every day and I'm like, it's eight o'clock. And if I get off at six, that means I got two hours to be a human. And I'm like, well, Either I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock and be an asshole tomorrow morning, or I'm going to go to bed at like eight and wake up and feel pretty good and have a good workout. Yeah. And, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's not an easy balance. I think it's just, it's tougher in our like modern world where we have so much access to information and we have so much access to like the lives of celebrities and athletes where of course we, we all want to emulate these people. And I think sometimes we do it, um, again, without, like you said, being honest with ourselves and also being really clear on not only our goals, but what the goals are for. Because I think sometimes we lose sight when we have a goal, which is deadlift 400 pounds, um, right. have a six pack. Like we, we, it's great to have those goals, but then when we lose sight of the purpose for them, we can mm -hmm. go into these areas that are unhealthy because we're just chasing the goal no matter what the cost. Whereas maybe that goal was because we wanted to be um, the healthiest version of ourselves or we wanted to show that we could follow a plan for six months or whatever. And But yeah, when you lose track of the reason why you're doing it, that's when it can get unhealthy, I think. Right. So this is a good story. So we had um, Jim Steele at UPenn. He trained every Sunday we would have like these group of um, dragon boaters. They're all breast cancer survivors come in and they would train. And he had this one lady, she was mm, 70 years old or something like that. And she's like, I don't think she ever trained before or anything like that. They would come in and they would, you know, squat, do a bench variation, row or deadlift for the lower body, all this kind of stuff. So she came in and at the end of it, she was deadlifting something like over 200 pounds. And this is a little old lady, like, 70 years old and so she goes up to steel and finally goes at the end of like probably a few months or like a year or so of training with him like consistently every sunday and having a workout of her own during the week she was like i am now able to like hold the torah by myself and she's like that means more to me than anything else and i'm like that's, that's it. it that's it what i mean what else does she need what else does she want to do she wanted to be able to hold the torah up by herself and and that was it and now she can do it with amazing like that's great so cool okay i want to i want to talk about your powerlifting um experience because you you've competed right in powerlifting yeah, yeah. yeah. i think I, I i was doing a little bit of like online research i think i saw a couple a couple of videos um yeah. but but tell us about your like your competitive experience with powerlifting and how and are you still doing it i mean i would imagine you probably don't have a whole lot of time for that stuff these days but um well i started off like um like I was always like, I, I loved the lifting. So I was always like into it. And then, so after like college, I went nut. I was like, I'm done with traditional strength and conditioning. So I got into CrossFit. And so I did CrossFit for like a year and a half or something. And then 
while I was there, they're like, wow, like you're, you're pulling like 400 pounds. You're pretty damn strong. Like, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, like I, yeah, I guess. Like I didn't, I didn't have like a barometer. I had no idea. And I hadn't thought about powerlifting or anything like that. So, um, so he's like, you should jump in a competition. And I was like, eh, you know, I just kind of like the training. And so I had went to Penn and Jim Steele's like huge in the powerlifting world and all this kind of thing. And he started coaching me and I started getting serious and, or as serious as I can get with like training, um, and started powerlifting there. And we got to, I think my best deadlift was like 515 in the gym and then 507 in competition. So he was like, he used to always tell me, he's like, I can't tell you like what your workouts are going to be until the day in, because I didn't want to hear about it. I don't want to think about powerlifting. Like I love lifting, but I didn't necessarily want it to like, I didn't want to be consumed by it. And I always enjoyed the the lifting part and like we would have deadlift parties at work deadlift Fridays and like all this kind of stuff and it was fun and like that atmosphere was it, oh my god it was so much fun but like uh I would do it and then he's like you should jump in a competition I'm like oh man like I don't know and he's like just go just go do it and I'm like all right go did it or go do it and then um had um I think like I placed in all of these like regional and local meets and all this, and then went to nationals and then ended up placing number two in the nation and like with, within USAPL. And then there was like, I broke a couple of records and like the 181 class and all this kind of stuff. But it was like, like it was very casual for me. Like I, like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the training. The training was fun. Like going to a meet and like, you know, you're like rushing around, you got non lifts and it's just like, okay, that's cool. It's over. I got a medal. This is cool. And then that was it. So like, it was, I think I did, I did nationals. And then in 2013, like, I no, I don't know when, I have no idea when it was 2015 or something. Like I had to have hip surgery because I had um, FAI or something like that. My hip was, it was bum. And so he's like, and me and Seal were like, well, let's do something special before like I, you know, go get surgery. So that's when I pulled like 515 in a gym, but my best lift was 500 for two. And, and that was fantastic. And the squat always sucked for me. Like it sucked. I hated the squat. And my, I think my best squat was 379 in competition. And then my best bench in competition was 253 and 270 in the gym. But like, Shit. I think, <laughs> I, I think one time, uh, like after nationals, like, you know, you take like a week, week and a half all from lifting and then you come back, you feel good. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel good. I'm gonna pull heavy again. And so I go to pull heavy and I had like 485, which should have been, I should have smoked it, but I got like halfway to mid shin and I hear a pop and then like my leg goes straight and no. there's pins and needles like, and then, so I like, I thought it was my knee and I was like, this doesn't even make sense. Like what, like my knee. So I'm laying on the ground and I'm like, Oh no, like what happened? And then, and then steel walks by and I was like, I told him, I'm like, I popped my, like I popped something. And then he's like, Oh, it's just, you just blew a disc. Like here's a volume or something like that. Like get, let the muscle like relax and all this kind of stuff. And, and then, so I get up. And then like my back was like, like wrecked for like months, for months it was wrecked. And then I never really got back into it. Like my back is fine now, but like, 
and then I started getting into jujitsu and like martial arts and all that kind of thing. So that's kind of where I am now. Okay. I want to, it's funny because I have basically experienced like a much less impressive version of exactly what you're describing. So I, because I got into CrossFit first, like I, growing up, I didn't do like a lot of team sports and I, I feel like there's such an emphasis on team sports as being the bigger thing that like, if you don't do that, you're not an athlete. Like I never considered myself an athlete growing up. Cause I like played soccer for a couple of years and didn't really like it. And I, you know, whatever. And then I was a swimmer, which again, that's a sport. You're an athlete, but I just didn't think like, I'm not playing ball sports, so I'm not an athlete. And it wasn't until like university and I started getting into CrossFit and I was like, I'm kind of strong. Like I'm kind of good at this. I was always more like better at like the body weight side than like the absolute strength side. But like, I didn't start feeling like an athlete until I did that. And then I got, I went from CrossFit to powerlifting to bodybuilding, which is weird. Most people go the other way and then got into jujitsu, which I love. So we can nerd out on that part. But I had like a kind of similar experience with powerlifting where I didn't really like severely hurt myself, but I had a couple kind of minor injuries that made me feel like, and this goes back to this conversation about why are you doing it? What are the end goals? Where I was like the fear and concern I have about potentially pushing and hurting myself is now outweighing like the benefits of training super heavy. And so I kind of like, I'm scared, like I'm, and for me, it's deadlifting. I'm kind of scared of deadlifting now. Cause I sort of kind of tweak something once. And now I'm just like, I don't know if I have it in me anymore. I don't know if it's, if it's worth it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I want to go back to, so your favorite, your favorite lift is deadlift and then right. bench and then, and then squat. It, then it was, it was deadlift. The bench was just very like underwhelming. Like you'd lay down, you bench and it's just like, ah. So so I like benching the most, but only because that's the one I'm relatively the best at. That's the only reason I like it. I, I love the dumbbell bench. I love yeah. dumbbell benching. That yeah, feels yeah, yeah. phenomenal to me, but like the bench yeah. press is very boring. And then now, now I enjoy the squat. Okay. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed, and maybe again, you know, this is just like a, something that I noticed from the video, the couple of videos that I watched, you deadlift with a very narrow stance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it's a duck foot. And you're kind of tall, right? Like how tall are you? I was 5'10 on the roster, but actually I'm 5'8". Oh, okay. All right. So they always do, they always do add a couple inches, huh? Okay. All right. So then you're not really tall. I mean, you're maybe like on the taller side of average, like I'm five, four, I'm kind of on the shorter side of average, but you like, all I was thinking was like, again, everybody has their own setup, people squat and and deadlift and everything very differently. But I'm like, you kind of have long ish legs and you are doing this, this lift so that it's like, you are feeling every inch of that leg length when you're deadlifting. I mean, the deadlift, like my feet are, like my heels are super close together. It's crazy. Close, yeah. Is that just what was always most comfortable for you? Or is it because you have like strength that's like recruited better with that kind of setup? Yeah, I started off a little bit wider um, and then working with like steel over the course of years, it just got more and more narrow. Like I just got really comfortable with turning my toes out just a little bit. Like it was like this duck foot stance and I feel phenomenal there yeah what about squat do you squat like that too um like my hips are like weird like so my squat stance has like it was a little bit wider um but I had a hell of a much more like forward lean um but I think like over the course of time like my quads got a little bit stronger so I'm a little bit more upright now um Mm. so like now I'm more of a a closer stance okay um, on the squat than compared to, you know, what it used to be. 
It's really interesting. Yeah, it's funny because I, I like people are always telling me like when you see a lot of um, powerlifting, deadlifting, a lot of times it's it's sumo because it's just the, the but it's just like the concept I guess that it's less inches to travel or something. But for me, and I'm like I'm kind of short again, but like I have relatively I think short arms and legs and like a relatively longer torso. So you would think that sumo would make sense for me. I hate it. I hate it. Like I do very, like a very typical, like standard, not super narrow, but like not wide either, like basic standard deadlift stance. And I like that the best, but again, I guess doesn't, it just all goes down to like your unique physiology and what feels the most comfortable. The sumo, the sumo, I hate personally, I hate the sumo. Like I feel awkward. I feel like I can't push into the ground the way that I should be able to. I can't stand it. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, it's, you know, when, you know, when you're training people, you're like, oh, all right, I should be this way. I should be that way. Well, yeah, yeah not for you. Like you should probably yeah. do this. This looks a hell of a lot better than that. And, you know, yeah. you, you know, you adjust people as they yeah. need. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, like the powerlifting stuff is just like, I didn't want to think about it. Like if I thought of, I was a little bit nutty. Like if I thought about it, it was, I became a think tank and I didn't want to become a think tank. So like still would, we were, you know, it's strength and condition. So we would have these long days. We were in the weight room together all day long. So he would write the program up and I would be like, I'd walk in that day and be like, what do we have today? And, yeah. and he's like, oh, you're going to do 485 for some doubles or something like that. Um, I'm like, okay. And then I didn't have time to like mull out about it. Think about it. And I just yeah. go in there and hit it. And then that was it. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to think about it at all. Yeah. So, so what's your training look like now? Because you've got this job, obviously, that's going to keep you very busy seasonally. And, you know, you've had the, the injuries, I guess, that you were kind of coming back from. So what does your, what are your personal goals and what does your training look like right now? Um, right now, like because of time, I'll run, like I'll work up to one or two sets to like failure on like some of the bigger lifts, like dumbbell bench. And I'll do that about three or four times a week. Um, and I, I'll hit each body part probably twice um, with like different variations. And then it's kind of like work up to one or two sets just because it's so fast. It's quick, it's effective, and then I'm done. And as far as conditioning goes, I'll run some sprints and call it a day. It's, it's done. And if Looking I could, effective. yeah, if I could, uh, um, the COVID, like if you, um, do any like boxing or like Muay Thai and all that kind of stuff. Have you tried like boxing with a mask on? No. Don't do it. Cause the thing gets wet and then it like, when you breathe in, it sucks to you. Then you can't breathe at all. It's like awful. Yeah. So if you get somebody's whole mitts and all this kind of stuff, make sure you're like COVID free. Cause that's the only way you'll be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I draw the line at working out with a mask on. Cause I'm like, if I already have to wear a mask when I go anywhere and it's unpleasant, like I'm, yeah, I'm drawing. But it's so funny you say that because I, so I have like, a, I have my own kind of like home gym with some dumbbells and some kettlebells and a pull up bar. Like I've got like the basics to get me through. Right. Yeah. But I am somebody who likes to work out and likes to be in a gym and likes to have all the different equipment and all the different toys to play with. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a particularly social gym goer, but I think after like five months of not going to the gym, I do miss, like I miss like my fellow meatheads. I miss like yeah. working out with people sometimes. Um, and 
so another thing that I did is I bought a Bob, like the, the guy that you can, yeah. And I've been doing, and I have a, um, a boxing gym in New York. Cause I'm kind of half between Canada and New York. And one of my favorite gym is this boxing gym. It's in the States called everybody fights, but they have, um, some online classes and that's what I've been doing for my conditioning. Cause I'm like, there are only, I walk a lot. There's only so many hours in the day that I can just go walk the same neighborhood all day, yeah. every day. So I've been doing the boxing at home and it's so much fun because I think probably similar to you, like I love to work out for the sake of it, but I also want to be like learning a skill. Like it, it yeah. is more, and that's why I think jujitsu is so appealing because first of all, you're never done learning it. You're never like, Oh, I'm perfect now. Like you're yeah. going to do it forever. And there's so much of this, like, it's really meditative because you are a hundred percent in your body when you're doing it. You can't be yeah. like thinking about checking Instagram when you're rolling. Right. right? Yeah. And you, it's like chess. It's like chess, but with your body, you're thinking about what the other person's going to do. You have to be calm. You have to think all the time. It's like, it's now so how long good. have you been doing it? So I've been doing it on and off and like really on and off because I just haven't, I haven't like, um, I haven't dedicated like the time that it probably deserves. You know what I mean? Cause I've yeah. got my excuses. You're moving, you're doing this COVID. Um, but on and off, I've been doing no gi for probably like three or four years. Oh, um, no gi oh, because I came to it through like MMA, like just as being yeah. a, a fan of the sport. And so I'm like, I, you know, and it's funny cause I, I bought a gi. Everyone's like, you got to get into the gi. And I'm just like, I just haven't gotten around to it. And I know it's like a whole different gi. thing. I love the gig. I love the pants. They're comfortable. I like wear them around just for fitting. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, because, and I think you would probably relate to this, but people like my friends who are into it are like, you would like gi because there's a lot more, there is a bit more of a strength element to it because when you can hold on to somebody's thing and yeah. pull them in. Cause again, for my weight class, because my background is all strength sports, like I mm -hmm. tend to be like pretty strong for my size. Right. right. So like the average girl maybe that's in there rolling around, that's my size. I could probably like toss her around a little bit and yeah. having the gi is more helpful, but it's also cool that like, I think as a sport, it's so skill based that, you know, I can roll around with somebody 50 pounds heavier than me and yeah. potentially kick their ass if I know what I'm doing. Um, yeah. It's such a fun sport. I love it so much. I love it. I, I've been doing it for like, I guess like two years or maybe like three years or something in the last like year and a half, obviously it's been like on and off with all the yeah. movies and all that kind of shit. But like, that's, I love it. I think everybody, I think everybody should be doing some form of martial arts. One, like we teach the, um, we taught every athlete that came into um, university of Pennsylvania with steel, Tracy and I, and Steven Brendel, like, to do Muay Thai like you live in the city like and I don't know how many times we've heard our athletes like I got chased by some bomb and all this kind of stuff and god forbid like you actually have to like square off and like fight but you should be able to you know to defend yourself and like so, yeah, so it's like everybody should know self-defense yeah I completely agree and I think it also goes back to the thing we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation about how I'm a firm believer in, and I think this applies to everybody, but especially women, because I think men do just kind of grow up with a more inherent sense of their own self-confidence, right? Like it's, it's a little bit different. Like it's, it's even like minor things, like when you're raising young kids and boys are boys and they're rolling around and they're getting dirty and girls, it's like, oh, don't hurt yourself. Like, oh, be careful. Like there's just, like, we have to work a little harder to instill this like physical sense of confidence, I think, for women. And I think one of the biggest ways to do that is to have women be competent in physical things. And it's not just about what you look like. Like, do you look right. fit or do you look beautiful? It's like, if you can, 
if you can deadlift twice your body weight, if you can right. squat your body weight, if you know jujitsu, like you are going to feel confident about yourself. Yep. And that's, I just think that's so incredibly important. Um, Anyway, we could talk about that forever, but I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but we have literally not even talked about your current job. So we got to like get into this. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I can, I can go over. It's fine. Yeah. Good. Okay. XFL to NFL. Like what? So I guess your current job, like you literally had just started quite recently, right? Because the seasons. Yeah. So the, so I was hired, uh, during the off season, okay. um, but the NFL did, uh, the off season virtually this year because of the COVID, like they didn't yeah. want everybody, you know, on site and all that kind of thing. And so I just got here for training <laughs> camp at the beginning or about two weeks ago. So two okay. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So been not not very long, so we're just kind of just getting in the groove of things, getting guys, you know, used to like, uh, like our methods and all that kind of thing. And then there are meetings and practices, and they're going to start doing all that here soon. Okay, and I mean, obviously, this is your first season working with them, but like right off the bat, my understanding is that they're going to try to have a normal season. Is that right? Like we're yeah. just gonna okay. I think that the the NFL's like we are moving along as if we are playing. Okay. Cause I've noticed like with some of the other sports, I think it's like baseball and maybe, maybe hockey, like they're picking like the certain kind of spots and then people like all the teams are going there and they're kind of staying there and like doing yeah, like maybe like a certain season. Kind of stuff. I, yeah. think the, I think the NBA, like they're in the bubble. And I think here recently they just said that out of however long they've been in the bubble, they've had zero um, COVID tests. So I'm like, that's kind of neat. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so in terms of like actual training sessions and people coming together, has there been any crazy restrictions or is it sort of just people being aware of like not? No, like we have like protocols and all that kind of stuff in place, like to keep everybody like safe. Um, like I, you know, I feel good about being at work. Like, like, and I'm, I can be anxious. Like I can be super anxious. So like, I feel good about like the protocols that we have in place over at, uh, over here at the facility. Yeah. Okay. And um, what exactly is like the scope of your role right now? Um, so there's, there are, um, there's a head strength coach and then there's two full-time assistants. And so I'm a seasonal um, assistant strength coach and uh, it's an internship program um, where, um, I, where they get like women involved in sport mm -hmm. um, to come in and like, do strength coaching, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you, work, you, you know, you work in the weight room, you work on a field for conditioning and the speed sessions and all that kind of thing. Um, and just work with the guys. And yeah. so that's what we're doing now. Lifting and are, and, you know, are you working with all parts of the team? Are you like specific to like offensive, defensive, whatever? Are you so, doing everything? Yeah. So we schedule uh, the, the lifts um, and then they come in the weight room. So everybody, so I see everybody. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, that is, I mean, obviously one of the parts that I thought was more interesting about like trying to dive into your current job is that obviously there's not a ton of women doing the work that you're doing in the industry that you're doing. So, but it's, it strikes me like the conversation that we've been having so far is that that's never really something that seems to be at the forefront of your mind or something that you're particularly concerned about. You're kind of just like, here's what I'm interested in doing. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Like I've like, I know some women have probably had issues with like working with like male sports, like trying to get through to the, um, the, I guess the male athlete, but like I've been working with men's sports for the entire time. So it's very normal, like since 2008. So it's very normal for me. And I find that like, 
working, like if you give them something that they can take away, like they're going to rock with you. They're going to be like, oh, she's trying to help me because they, they understand like you're there to help them be better at whatever their goals are and all that kind of thing and help them stay healthy to play or do whatever they're supposed to be doing. Um, so I've actually, I've not run into a problem like, you know, being a, like at UPenn, the last, uh, like for the off season, it was me and another um, female strength coach running the entire football program by ourselves. Nice. And like you have the respect of the athletes or uh, of the guys. And it's like, you know, like I'm coaching, I'm helping you. Like it doesn't matter. Um, and nobody really, I've like, yeah, I've never had an issue with any of that. Yeah. I mean, if you know what you're doing at the end of the day, that's it. Really it doesn't matter. And I mean, yeah. you've got the kind of pedigree, like people look at your lifts and they're like, yeah, okay. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Like, cause, uh, steel would, he'd be like, we'd be messing around like with the, the lineman or something like that. And Tracy, the other girl I worked with, she did something like 325 pounds squat for like 15 or 20 reps or something one day. And so we'd be in the weight room and like messing with these like freshman linemen. And we're like, you know, coach Tracy over here, she did that your max over there, she did that 14 times. And they're like, wait, what? And then, like, you know, you know, Christy over here, she deadlifted X, Y, and Z. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta be a little bit stronger as a division one football player and all this kind of thing. So, you know, they, they're like looking, they're like, oh, so she's, you know, she's been there. So she knows what, you know, a heavy load feels like in your hands or in your back or something like that. So I think that goes a long way because it shows that like, I'm not over here with pink dumbbells and like hanging out and all this kind of stuff. And, and even the idea of like, I mean, I would argue too that like you don't have to have necessarily, for example, played NFL football to, to coach it, right? There's tons of examples of great coaches who have never, like basketball coaches who have never right. done whatever. But there is something to be said for you've been an athlete your entire life. You've mm -hmm. trained this way. You live the way that you, you know, preach to other people. And I think that they're, yeah, I mean, you can't deny it when, when you can tell these people, like, I can full on deadlift more than you. It's right. hard for them to I, not respect you. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like as a strength coach, like I've never played football. I love watching the sport. I love it. And like, I understand my craft as a coach. Like I understand what my job is and it's, and the weight room is the weight room. It's just what it is. Like I don't necessarily need to understand the ins and out of tennis to be able to get you stronger in the weight room right. and that kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah. Have you found, um, and I know you can't obviously speak about like individual people or whatever, but is are people coming in are the athletes or the players coming in in different shape because there's been so much uncertainty and quarantine and whatever like I just I wonder like there's there's a lot of people who maybe have been sitting around unsure if there was going to be a season either not eating enough or eating too much depending on your position like are people coming in like they need some work or what yeah I mean the guys are fantastic they I mean at this level yeah. you are like looking like these guys are like there are genetic freaks yeah and it's like you're like wow <laughs> you're like wow but yeah I think everybody's done a damn good job with like their all-season conditioning everybody looks great and everybody's moving well and all this kind of thing so it's just I, I mean being at like even at some of the division one schools that I've been at and like working with like all different types of sports for those athletes that have like gone to the next level it's like you 
like you were born, like you're elite, man. Like you just look in like all like, wow. Well, I mean, like one of my favorite, I, I don't know if you watch this, but one of my favorite shows on Netflix is um, Last Chance You. Do you know about this one? I've, I've seen it, but I've never, I've never watched it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the, you know, Juco schools, like these kids that are like just incredible, you know, incredible athletes, but for whatever reason, like they're trying to work their way up to like division right. one opportunities. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And like some of, like you're watching some of these kids and you're like, you have no concept of nutrition. And in a lot of cases, they don't have the financial support or the, any other kind of support to like have a good, like a, you know, a bed even sometimes at night, like much less worrying about nutrition and sleep and stress right. management and all of these these things. And they're like eating garbage or not at all. They're like not sleeping properly. They're not training properly. And you still look at these like just elite athletes. Like you're like, imagine when these guys get sorted out, when they get the, the support to like eat properly, like train properly. It's incredible. So I mean, again, this is like... Yeah, it's like, it's a reminder to like, again, all of us like armchair people who are like, oh, we can train like professional athletes. It's like, That's sometimes right. people are just built and born yeah. differently. And you got to accept that. Like these guys are just like incredible athletes and they've barely even begun. Yeah. Process. Even t like imagine how good they could be. Like yeah. it's, yeah. It, and then you see like some of these like high school, like especially the basketball athletes, you're like watching them play and you're like, you look like a grown ass man out there, like just, just nasty. It's like, wow. I wish I could have been like that or something like that. It was like, damn, where'd your parents come from? And like, yeah. you literally have to look at like, Lynn, I have a question for you. Now, yeah. did you, do you enjoy bodybuilding or the powerlifting better, like between the two? I really think it depends. And you can probably relate to this for me. I think it depends on like, the time in my life and what, again, like what I'm trying to get out of it. So like, I love just like everybody else that's a meathead. I love like beating my PR and like saying that I have like an impressive lift that's like bad at, like I love that. It gives me a lot of satisfaction. The bodybuilding part was cool for me because of the like tangible uh, almost like scientific progress. So like I got into it because people told me they're like, you know, you've got like broad shoulders, you like muscles, you could probably do pretty good at this if you like leaned out for a couple months, like give it a shot, right? And so I, I did it because it was like fascinating for me to watch my body respond to things. It was diet and exercise and like, you know, I'm a, I'm a chick, like I, it's not normal for me to ha like have like super visible, like lean muscles and a six pack. So it was like, it was cool to see what my body was capable of, but there were two completely different things because one, I considered performance, like I'm a, I'm a athlete. And one, it was more just like, it's aesthetic. It's just interesting. It's still, it right. takes a ton of dedication and it's fun, but like, I didn't see that as like an athletic achievement. I saw it more as almost like a mental achievement. Like I set a very interesting goal and I, I, I did it, you know? So it kind of just depends on like what I'm like in the mood for, honestly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's yeah. your trip looking like now? I mean, whatever. Like <laughs> COVID, I'm like, what the fuck ever. It's funny. Cause for the first couple months I was like, I, I really doubled down like those first couple months when like life was uncertain and people were like, literally what the hell, like, are we going to, is this going to turn into the zombie apocalypse? I was like, 
I doubled down on my consistency. Like I just, I've been an athlete, my own version of an athlete, my entire adult life. And so there was no reason for me to stop working out, stop eating properly, stop caring about my sleep. I doubled down on it. I was like, what else do we have to do? We're all stuck inside. Let's, you know, take care of ourselves. And it's so funny because like the mental part of it is starting to wear on me now. Like where I am, gyms are open back up. It's okay. different because they only allow so many people in. You got to yeah. like book it ahead of time. It's like a whole thing. But like the the sort of like the new version of life and what it may be for the next little while is for many of us who are privileged to still have a job and be safe and like all of those things. The biggest change is just that like a lot of the joy of daily life is kind of gone. Like yeah. nobody's like it's not the same vibe when you go to like a dinner, like a restaurant or like you go to right. the gym or you try to go on vacation. Like it's just not the same. Yeah. And so for me, like the motivation of, of like, I'm maintenance at this point. I'm like, do I walk every day and like kind of take care of myself and like get a workout in great. And that's kind of like my bar has been lower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also starting to get around to like, you know, we all go through these like dips and valleys and I'm feeling like, look, if this, is going to be the reality for the next potentially year or two. You can't just sit around thinking like, this sucks, like figure it out. Like right. life is going to go on. So like come yeah. up with a new goal, maybe like that's kind of something I'm thinking about. And I've, I've, I've like on and off thought about doing like a local, like maybe jujitsu competition or something, yeah. it, you know, it's just, all it is is about challenging yourself and having a goal to work towards. And I think most people need that. I really do think that people well, not, you're just sitting there you're sitting there floundering and it's just like, you're in a rut. Like I get like that. If I don't have like something that I'm working towards or like learning or like, I feel like, Oh, oh. Point. yeah. Just, yeah. I'm like in a rut. And I'm like, that's a bad place to be. Yeah. yeah. So are you, do you have like, I mean, obviously you've got a big job right now and that's probably taking up a lot of your mental energy, but are you able to, think about other personal goals or fitness goals or is it just like I'm getting to this through the season and then we'll kind of see well like before I got down here to uh, Nashville it was like my condition I hate conditioning I mean it makes me nuts so I was like well you know I had like a barbell and like you know 300 pounds of weights and all this kind of stuff and a couple of dumbbells and I was like, so I would take my stuff out to a park and do all this stuff. But my focus was like maintaining that stuff, but like going hard on like the conditioning. And that shit, I mean, I think I, <laughs> I hated it because I wasn't necessarily always in the condition that I wanted to be cardiovascularly. And then once I got in better condition, I was like, shit, this isn't bad. So what it was, I was just not in the shape that I wanted to be in. Um, so that was the that was the last goal. And then now, like, because I wasn't able to bench and dumbbell bench, I, I mean, my dumbbell bench game needs to get back up. I mean, that's the only thing I'm like focused on and I need my legs to be bigger. <laughs> so, me too. Me too. I, like, you can help me with that. That's, yeah. that's, that's always been my, actually my weak point. And I think it's so, it's like the opposite for so many women. And that's why maybe the sports that I went into, like with gymnastics and swimming, it makes sense. Cause it's like all the upper yeah. body, but like, you know, women, like, you know, with CrossFit, like, Women who have never worked out before discover CrossFit. They get in there. Three months later, they're deadlifting 200 pounds somehow. Not like squatting 200 pounds somehow. Like crazy. Whereas uh -huh. I went into it and like I could basically do like a pull up right away, which is very difficult for women. But like the squatting shit, like I'm just like I'm all upper body somehow. I don't know how it happened. Yeah. 
And then of course, you know, as people tend to do, you double down on the things you're good at and you kind of just like find excuses not to do yeah. the stuff yeah. that you're not good at. So, and then I, I think, I feel like the biggest difference in quarantine with um, not being in the gym uh, body composition wise is I've definitely lost some like lower, lower body muscle. Like for me, it's easier to keep the upper, if, if I can keep doing pull-ups, weighted pull-ups, I've got some heavy-ish dumbbells, I can yeah. do push-ups all day long. Like this stuff stays fine, but the yeah. lower body, if I don't have like a bar, if I don't have a barbell, if I don't have all that fun, the fun, you know, bells and whistles at the gym, yeah. like gone. Yeah, my legs are, I'm like, oh man, like my upper body's pretty like, it's pretty, it can, I guess it's pretty stacked, but like my lower body, I'm like, man, I guess like, it just gotta be better. We gotta do better. I, I know, I can't, I'm like looking at your biceps, I'm like, you know, another thing, this is like going all off the rails now, have you ever, have you ever considered getting into competitive arm wrestling? <laughs> I have not. Okay, well, I, I grew up with this guy who was a professional like arm wrestler, and I would go to his house and deadlift, and he had like the whole setup. Like you see the movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone over the like, top, over the top yeah. Like, dude, I was like, dude, like that's wild. Okay, let's talk about this offline because I happen to. I it's funny. I I did an interview, a podcast interview with this uh, gentleman a couple years back, but he is local, it's a friend of mine who is like one of, if not the actual best bodybuilder or arm wrestler in the world, like travels all over the world and like is the best. And he, you'd love, you would love watching like, like you have the time, but going down a radical following this guy because it is the example of somebody who is so incredibly focused on such a specific, hyper specific, like niche sport, like the training that he does and the ability that he has to like perfect something that is actually incredibly technical. Um, it's so fascinating. Hey, you gotta give me his name. I would love yeah, to You're gonna him. love it. His name's Devin, but I'll send you some information. You're gonna love it. But it's also another sport that I'm like, all of us like beefy upper body kicks, <laughs> we could crush. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. You got that upper yeah. body strength? Anyway. Um, okay. Wait, so, wait, so wait, so that's funny. The arm wrestling stuff, my mom would like I started lifting like in high school. And so she was like, she's strong. And she, she grew up with like, I don't know, f like three or four brothers. So they used to wrestle and all this kind of shit. So she's like, let me arm wrestle you. And I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm in there. So she beats me. And I'm like, no, 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 goodness. And then she will never, I mean, it's been since 2004, she refuses to let me like reclaim that. I'm mean, like, man, like, come on, mom. Like, Your mom is awesome. Like, yeah. That is, that is some boss, boss moves right there. That's a power move. Yeah, it's a big power move. Yeah. It's, but it, it is, it's fascinating how like, again, until you like dive deep into any sport and especially these weird kind of like underground sports, like you think like, okay, arm wrestling is arm wrestling. You grab somebody's arm, the stronger person wins. There is so much more to it. Okay. It's incredible. It's so cool. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to your current job and we'll wrap this up soon. But is there anything that you are particularly excited about or looking forward to because this is a new this is a new job for you right so yeah. like is there anything that's like kind of especially interesting that you're looking forward to yeah like the like the head strength coach he's been in strength and conditioning for almost like 20 years and the the staff that is there like they've been in the nfl for a good while so it's like working with like 
I guess learning. Like I love everything about strength and conditioning. So it's like, what in the hell can I learn from you from like a programming standpoint, like how you program, like how you work with the guys, like, are you partnering up with the partnering up with the athletes to make sure that they're getting what they need and all this kind of stuff, like how they go about designing these programs. Like, like, I think that's like, I, I guess that's like the best part. And then obviously being at this high of a level, I mean, good Lord, like the shit is fun. You get to hang out in the weight room with these like, these freaks they, I mean I mean they are awesome and they're like super nice guys and like physical specimens I'm like man um but and like just I guess having this opportunity like again like you said like it's just such a male-dominated industry like the NFL is or professional like I, I guess professional sports or like NFL in general like or even just working in football even in the collegiate sector there's not a lot of women in that whole, in this whole deal. So just having this opportunity is like big time, like, let, like, let's go, let's roll. And like, I just, yeah, like, like you said, like when you get obsessed with something, like, like I'm obsessed with anything strength, anything that falls under that umbrella. So it's like the food, like the sleep, the recovery, like, you know, how is it going to fit within the program? Like, how can I get like, you know, if you want to incorporate some like nuanced stuff, like what's the big picture stuff that we can incorporate. So it's not so like, I have to spend two hours with you for you to get this one thing, you know, and yeah. get, get people to like grasp like larger concepts. But like, I want to learn everything because yeah. everything that Frank has to like, tell me everything that Ma Mondre has to tell me and Brian, like, and then like on the football side, like those coaches, like, like you go and you're like, you're just listening to them coach. And it's like, wow, you guys know this shit. And like, I love it when people know their shit. Like it's amazing to listen to people. Cause they just want to sit there and just like stare at them yes. and like take notes. And like, wow. You are getting like a deep dive, like crash course in this elite sport. Like that's why, and I've always said like, that's why I love watching, like I'll watch, you know, bodybuilding documentaries or arm wrestling documentaries yeah. or football documentaries, because even if it's not your particular sport, if you are interested in performance and like what the human body is capable of, it's so fascinating to watch yeah. and get this like firsthand account um, up for, at such a high level. And you're gonna be, you're gonna be like traveling with the team I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea how that uh, like it's gonna work uh, because uh, like initially it's been I was signed on as like the off season, which is I think the off season usually runs like nine weeks, and then the training camp, which is about I think four. I forget how many weeks it is, but and then I don't I don't know what happens after that. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I might have to have you back on when the season's over, and you can give me like a you know debrief of how everything went because I know I know you can only talk about certain things, and I can't yeah. ask you like you know, very specific questions, but it will be interesting to see like once the season's over to have kind of like a debrief of like what you learned and how it yeah. went. And, like, yeah, yeah. I'd love to come back. And then we need to talk about food because I grew up on chicken gizzards and hearts. Like well, you're getting a copy of my book. Don't worry I about mean, that. I mean, come on, man. I was yeah. like, <laughs> I was I like, mean, somebody, it's like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I, I will definitely my, send you a copy because I want you to try some recipes and tell me what you think. And last night I had beef tongue uh, tacos and I'm like, delicious, right? Come on. It, I mean, go. again, it's like people just, 
people have these arbitrary ideas of what is normal and what isn't normal. And it's so funny because if someone else makes you tongue tacos and you don't have to see the tongue, you don't have to think about it. You yeah. just eat this delicious thing. It's a lot easier for people to manage because we as a society are so removed from what it takes to get food to our plate. Right. And that's, that's literally what the entire book is about is about being open-minded and getting over your own like self-imposed ideas of what is like normal and okay. Right. And I think also the idea of like something being different, there's something about our, our culture, like North American culture where like different is automatically labeled bad, right? Yeah. Whereas we should look at things that are new and exciting and risky and different as an opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, we talked about this this whole call. If it doesn't work out or if you don't like it or you tried something and it doesn't work, you learned something. That's good, right? Yeah. You try a new food and you're like, not for me. You learned something, right? But if you yeah. don't try it, you're not learning anything. Yeah. Here it I is. I love it. I love that you love being strong and I love that you love the meat. Like, come on. Now, one thing I hate, I, or maybe I've like F this up or something, but okay. it was Rocky Mountain oysters. I, they are nasty. <laughs> I like, do not like them at all. How did you make them? I fried them. Like breaded fried? Yeah. And some sort of, uh, like, this is what I do. Like, me and my friend get together, and there's, like, this market where we go where they have, like, goat heads and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, what can we do today? So we just go in and just start picking shit up, and then, like, yeah. we just find a recipe online or something, and then just try it. So we followed some recipe and, like, fried them, and it was just like, you know, that's just, that's not it. I mean, to be fair, I think that frying anything makes it better. So if you don't like it when it's fried, you probably just don't like it, <laughs> which is fine. Do you like them? Um, I like them okay. Like, it's probably not my favorite cut, but, like, I think that, you know, you could probably play around with a couple different, like, ways of preparing it. But honestly, if you bread and fry something and you don't like it, that meat's probably just not for you. And, yeah. like, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll say, too, like, it's not good marketing for me. I'm trying to sell this cookbook to say that there's things I don't like. But, like, for me, I'm not a big kidney fan. Like, I'm yeah. not really into kidney. Like, I can find ways to like it. But I think that if you, generally speaking, if you have to like deep fry and cover in cream sauce, you probably don't actually like that thing. You know right. what I mean? Right. So like yeah. for yeah. me, like if I just like grill a kidney and there are people who like it, right? Like, and it's just our own individual taste. Cause I know lots of people who are like, liver is disgusting. How do I make liver good? And I'm like, maybe you shouldn't ask me. Cause I like the taste of liver. Like right. I get that there's, you know, different ways you can make it that make it better or less strong yeah. tasting, but like, I like it. So I think yeah. Sometimes some, some things just aren't for you and like Rocky Mountain Oyster, we, we can take that one off the list. <laughs> <laughs> take that and like, no, I'm all set. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I definitely will get you a copy of the book because I, anybody who, it's so funny because when I was like creating this book, I, again, very passionate about the idea of, you know, encouraging people to eat healthy food um, and eat it in a way that's sustainable and good for the planet and good for animals and all of these things. But I was literally writing it thinking like, four people are going to buy this book. Like my friends are going to buy this book because yeah. they feel bad for me. And like finding this like community of people who are like, yeah, I'm into this. Yeah. I want to eat like the healthiest cuts and I want to try yeah. new things and all that stuff. Like it's so fun to just find communities of people who are like into the same things you are. It, it's like, it just makes me feel so good. So yeah. It's That's awesome. Yeah.
All right, Christy, um, I can keep you all day. Maybe next time we'll have another two-hour conversation. We can talk more about food. After the season, we'll talk about my cookbook. We'll talk about your season and what's coming next and maybe talk about building some more quads for me. Yeah. There's lots. There's lots. Let's take measurements now. Oh, and that's then, a great and idea. And then talk later. Yeah. 100%. Okay. I'm very into that. All right. Um, <laughs> so can you tell people who, um, and I know you're not maybe like necessarily huge on social media in terms of like showing a bunch of what you're doing, but like if people want to learn more about, you know, what the work that you're doing and connect with you, like can people do that online? Yeah. Um, like uh, my Instagram is Bartlett C42. Okay. And then Instagram is just, or not Instagram, um, Facebook is just Christy Bartlett. If you Google me, you'll find me. Okay. Like it'll pop up Instagram or like Facebook or something like that. But okay. yeah, like I love talking training and all this kind of stuff. So anybody who wants to chat, like I'm all for it. Yeah. And just follow the Titans this, this season and see how it goes. We're going to crush. Nice. All right. All right, Christy, thank you so much for your time. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. that's a wrap everybody thank you for listening thank you to christy for taking the time i gotta say when she said some people have a sweet tooth i have a meat tooth i was like all right i might have to steal that one uh that's great advertising for my book although i do have a sweet tooth as well so i'd say mine are like half sweet half meat if we're being honest um but that's cool anyway that was an awesome episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you share it uh, with other people that can learn from it. Thank you again to my show sponsor, Ancestral Supplements. Um, they make organ meat supplements for a variety of uses and requirements, depending on what you're into, what your challenges and your health goals are. If you're not quite ready to um, cook up some kidney and liver yet, I'll get you there. But in the meantime, Ancestral Supplements does a great job of keeping you healthy. I use their products all the time, uh, especially when I'm traveling or maybe when I'm taking a break from recipe development and I don't have a ton of liver in my fridge. I am using their products um, and I love them. And I think that it really, really has been contributing to um, my general sort of health and immune system over the past couple of years, to be honest. I haven't been sick, knock on wood, in a very long time. And I think Ancestral Supplements has helped me with that. So uh, link is in the show notes, but you can go to ancestralsupplements.com. Make sure you use the code MAVEN10 and get a discount. Um, save yourself some money. All right. Join me next Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed to wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss the next episode because it's going to be a good one because they're always good, right? So catch you here next week. Thank you as always for listening and supporting the show. Take care, everybody.